So we're going to see who can figure out today who was in the drums and who was in the guitar. <laughs> which one is Pastor Marcelo and which one is Pastor Elias. <clears throat> it's good to be with you all this morning. Um, going to have a good day because I wrote my message on paper. Um, I remember one time we were at Revolution Camp and I spent probably a month preparing for a message and um, I wrote it on my notes on my phone <laughs> and when I got to the pulpit, like, it disappeared. Like, it deleted the whole thing. I mean, it was long. It has jokes and whatever. Um, and so I froze for a minute, but then I just, I was like, let's, let's go with it. We'll see. But um, I'm a little prepared today. Um, sometimes um, that works good. Sometimes it doesn't. But what I really want is for us to open up to the Holy Spirit and see what you can learn from God, from the Scripture. Um, you can ignore uh, my accent, my looks. They're good today. I wore my black shirt. It makes me look a little skinnier. <clears throat> but this thing is buzzing. I'm going to turn this off. It's, it's like echoing. It's weird. <clears throat> Let's see. That's better. So, um, anyways, just, just open up to the Holy Spirit. And let's pray that, that we all can get something out of this. Because sometimes when you're preaching, God speaks to you too. You know, you say something, you're like, oh, that was good. But it has nothing to do with you, your knowledge, your preparation or whatever. So I'm just going to pray, Holy Spirit, we invite you here. Um, open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, our hearts, our mind. Let us hear from you, God. Touch our hearts, transform our minds. Conquer our hearts, God, so we can go back to you. To that moment that we met with you and we were excited about the gospel and the good news. And we were in love with you, God. Some of us, we have lost that spark. Some of us, we have, we're lost completely. We don't know where we're going, but we're here today. And we want to be reached by you, God. I know that you are available. You're tangible. You're intentional reaching out to us. So we want to reciprocate that today. And we open our hearts and our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have any water? Like my throat, it's really, Chrissy has one right there. If you don't want to go all the way there. Oh. <laughs> He's got it. <clears throat> I just feel really dry. Um, so I, I was praying, uh, Pastor, um, they, they had a, a guest speaker coming today, but they, they, they got COVID, so they wouldn't have been able to make it today. And so we would just pray for them that they'd get recovered and that they get over the sickness that they have. But you get me today. So I'm not sick today. I'm here. And so we're going to learn together. And I was praying about, you know, what God wanted to speak to you today. Some of y'all might think this is relevant for your walk, your spiritual uh, relationship with God. And some of y'all might just be like, okay, well, that was a waste of time. Just whatever your reason for being here today, just be open, okay? Be sensitive to what the Spirit is going to say. So we're, <clears throat> the first thing I want to address is there is different times that we find ourselves in different circumstances, paths, seasons of our lives. And um, I'm very young and immature compared to a lot of people that are here today that are super mature and super old. 
And so, um, and you probably have more wisdom than me in, in, in uh, whenever you have a time to share it with me, go ahead, bring it in. Um, and so, but I have seen a lot of circumstances that people go through and it really, really takes a bit in your life. And, and sometimes we're like a little hamster, you know, those little rotten animals that you put in a little cage and you put them in a wheel and then just run, but they never move from the same place because they're stuck in a vicious circle. And they just go around that wheel and the wheel goes around, the wheel goes around. And you're just always in the same place. And so it makes me think about this um, guy that I knew when I was younger. Uh, Believe it or not, I never had trouble getting girlfriends. I mean, I had a lot of them, got rid of a lot of them. And... um, some of them got rid of me, and thank God that I came to my senses in time before, you know, my life got completely ruined. But anyways, I had a friend that he had trouble getting a girlfriend. And, and I was like, man, I mean, you're, you're good looking, you have nice clothes, and you work, so that, that's a plus. What, what's wrong with you? He's like, I don't know, man. I just feel that I'm never going to find love and uh, it just, I don't know what's, what's wrong with me. But all the girls that he liked, they were out of his league. They were just, you know, it's not going to happen. And so, but he kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. To be honest with you, I don't even know if he's married now. But the time that I knew him, he was always single. And so then I also knew a couple that, you know, they made it happen. You know, they had their Cinderella story. And after a year of being married, I mean, the magic midnight struck, her carriage became a pumpkin, and her crystal shoes became, what were they, a rat or something like that? Um, So the dream was over. The prince became a fraud. And so the fairy tale ended, and he just almost completely ruined their life. And so they found themselves in a situation that it was just pathetic, and they couldn't move from that. Because see what happens in relationships, uh, you can't tell your kids, and I learned this the hard way, okay, don't, just don't go with anybody, because we don't want you to get your heart broken. But that's, we live in a broken world, so that is going to happen. You know, when you're in relationship with somebody, you're vulnerable. And you offer yourself to them, so they're going to do something that's going to hurt you and break your heart. That's just part of life. As sad as it sounds, that's just how it is. Um, I also known a lady <clears throat> back home that she always, uh, she was sick. The whole time I known her, she had some sort of pain, some sort of uh, just uncomfortable situation in her life. She got all types of chronic disease. And she would take, like, I call it the cocktail. I mean, it was like 11 pills in the morning and like 12 pills at noon and like 20 at night so she can sleep. And that was her daily routine because that was a way to cope with her health issues. And, I mean, this lady prayed. She went to church. She paid her dues. You know, she did everything, yet her health never improved. And she felt like... God forgot about her. 
And going back to the whole situation of relationships and marriage, you know, I always believe that God doesn't have one person for you. And it's not a very popular opinion because we like to think that God has just that one person for you. But the problem with that theory is if you don't put in the work in your marriage, when that person is not it, then whose fault is it? We go back straight to God and say, God, you failed me. You gave me this person and it wasn't perfect for me. But at the time you thought it was perfect. So God always give us that choice to choose who we're going to spend the rest of our lives with. Amen? I believe that my wife never wanted to divorce me, but she probably wanted to kill me more than five times. One time she even threw the car keys at me. And I was like, what? We're getting physical now? But we were in the car, though, so she couldn't beat me. She just threw the keys. Um, So God will never, never take that choice away from you. That's on you. So wherever you are in your marriage right now, that's on you. That's not God's fault. Let's just be clear on that. So now there is people that, you know, I see this on Hallmark movies all the time. There is this guy who worked for this company his whole life. And there's this position that just got open and he came with a huge race. And he's so excited because he's going to get it. And he's like, yeah, it's my turn now. They give it to somebody else. It was some relative of the CEO or somebody, right? It's like Hallmark or Lifetime or whatever one of them channels is. And uh, they ended up wonderful at the end, but at the moment, it just sucks for the person. You know, it's a terrible situation because you were faithful. You work hard. You showed up to work, and yet you don't get what you work for your whole life. Amen? And there's people that they have jobs after jobs. They have more jobs than they have girlfriends than me. And so they're just like, you know, trying because they're never happy in one place. And they're in this state of uh, discontentment. I don't even know if that's a word. And so then there is people that, you know, you can only control what you do. Right? Spouses, you can't control your significant other. You can't help the fact that they run away with somebody else. That's their choice. You can't control the fact that they don't do what you say, unless you get a gun or like a stick and make them do it. But other than that, they're only the only ones that have the power to do that. And so then we find ourselves in these situations, and you probably don't identify with any of this. Let me throw another one at you. There was this guy that I knew. He was a good guy. He worked hard, like nonstop, but he never had money. And he got paid every Friday. But he had no finances. He was always broke. And I, was, I just couldn't get it. I was like, if you work, you, know, you make money, you pay your bills, and then you save some, and then you got a little bit left over. Usually that's how it works. But this person, he was one of the hardest workers I ever knew. But he was always broke. He had that mentality, that philosophy of life, that he never had anything. And he was like, I just, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I work hard, I put extra time, and I'm always broke. And I was like, there's something wrong with that. He's like, I know, but I don't know what to do to fix it. There's people that, they're at church, like you, 
They show up every Sunday on Wednesday, but their life have never changed. They've been sitting at church in a seat for 20, 30 years. Their life has not changed one bit. The same angry person from 20 years ago is the same angry person today. The cussing, lying, cheating person is the same. So there hasn't been a transformation. So we find ourselves with, with these uh, situations, and we can easily make ourselves like victims. Oh, it's my circumstances that are determining everything that I am. It's just the stuff that have happened. But you don't know what happened to me. I come from a bad family. I come from this. You don't know why. I haven't had the same opportunity. Let me tell you, that's a lie. Because I believe that everyone in this room has the same 24 hours of life every day. Amen? Amen. Nobody in here is a victim of their circumstances. The only thing that you cannot control is you don't get to choose who your parents are. You don't get to choose where you are born. Amen? Whatever your mama was, that's it. But other than that, your life as it is right now is a product of your choices and other people's choices. It's all on you. There's no victims in this church, outside this church. Everything you are, your health, your finances, your relationships, everything in your life is you. You did it. And sometimes we find ourselves as Christians debating about how to live our lives, right? Because the Bible is very explicit about the Ten Commandments. I mean, it's painted it out right there. But then we get into some great areas, right? Like, the Bible doesn't say anything about transgenders, right? Like, I never read it. Maybe, Pastor, had you read the Bible more than me? The Bible doesn't say anything about drugs. I I haven't found it yet. Amen? The Bible doesn't say anything about rock music being evil. I never read it. It The only rock that I've seen that I can think of is whenever Jesus, I planned my church on this rock. And then when they threw the rugs, uh, 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 what's that dude's name? Paul was there. Stephen. So, and there's different rugs, but not the one that Moses hit, but nothing about rock music or country music. And there is quite a bit of time that we spend in churches discussing these things. I have seen entire series of how certain things are just from the devil. Like some people preach that Coke is like a sin, right? That uh, steak is a sin. I was like, you're crazy. <laughs> I like both of those things. I'm, I'm, I'm not sinful on that thing. And there's people that, you know, just spend so much time about, you know, what you watch. Oh, you let your kids watch that. Oh, you're a sinner. Oh, them Teletubbies, they're gay. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I have my doubts about Barney, though. But no, the Teletubbies. Huh? <laughs> and it's easy, you know, uh, parenting is a big deal. People have all their theories and, you know, my kids are better than yours. And they're smarter or educated or whatever. I'm just winging it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a terrible dad at times. My wife can attest to that. And sometimes I do really good, though. But I get 
a little bit of both. So we don't, we don't, we, we spend so much time discussing, and, and I want to throw something at you this morning that hopefully you will ponder and think about. We lack Christian common sense. And my wife used that word a lot. So it's just common sense. And so I want to throw Christian common sense in there. Because what does that mean? It's whenever we go to Corinthians and say, everything that you do, do it for the glory of God. Every decision that you make, does this please God? Will this bring glory to God? Will this glorify God? That's your standard. See, God, we don't come here to church on Sunday to get a list of do's and don'ts. And then we go out there. Okay, well, the church, they say, don't do this and do this and do this and do that. Because there is no growth in there. There's no thought. There's no principle behind it. They're just like little minions. That's the name of my boy's soccer team. Uh, just following, you know, uh, what's the bad dude, the boss? Grow, grow, grew, grew, yeah. Um, so there is no thought process. There is no change in the heart because you're just following rules. And a lot of times it's easier for us. Like I remember when I first started working, I love instructions because I didn't know what to do. So tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then sometimes my boss will get mad at me because I wasn't doing anything. I was like, I don't know what to do. He's like, find something to do. Okay. I'll throw trash, you know? And eventually I started thinking for myself because I didn't have that ethic of working. You know, uh, my parents, they provide everything for me. And, and it, it was great. Speaking of my parents, so I didn't realize that I was poor when I was growing up. I learned that when I was, you know, grown. And uh, bit, we're not going to get there. I, I'm, I'm going to throw that Remind me, because it's a really good story. It has to do with marijuana. <clears throat> now, so they, there's all these multiple decisions that we have to make in life. And some are like little insignificant. Like, am I going to have waffles or raisin toast? I, no, that's a big one. Let's start with another one. Am I going to brush my teeth when I, after I wake up? That's really important, by the way. But for some people, not that important, especially teenagers. So then we get up. It's like, am I take a shower? What clothes am I going to wear? Simple choices. And our whole life is filled with choices from the little one to the biggest one. And I found an example in the Bible that is really great. And it, te- it tells us about choices. And this is uh, the life of Daniel. Y'all remember Daniel, right? The lion's den, and he prayed, and he did this, and blah, blah, blah. So I was reading through Daniel, and, you know, he served three different kings in his timeline and whatever. But Daniel uh, found himself with the excuse that everything that happened to him was a result of the circumstances. Because he was taken from his land. Okay? He was put with a bunch of people. They changed his name. His identity. They said, you can't talk in your language. You have to learn this new language. So he was put pretty much in a concentration camp. You guys heard of those, the Holocaust. So when you get to those places, I was reading about that. And I'm going to bring a couple of stories on the message today. 
but they, they take their names away and they give the prisoners name, uh, numbers. Because the purpose of that is to take away their identity, the very being who they are. They want to strip any type of freedom, liberty, of ownership that they have. So they did this with Daniel. So they put him in this concentration camp. And they say, this is what you're going to eat. This is gonna, what you're going to wear. This is what you're going to speak. This is your schedule. And this is all that you're going to be submitted to. You get out of that, you lose your head. Because Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a good dude. Okay, there was somebody that did something that he didn't agree with. The decree that he, I mean, we remember, they threw him on the furnace. Right? Because they weren't bowing and, and, and worshiping or whatever. There was a lot of people that lost their heads. So Daniel was put in this situation. And I know a lot of us, we've been in dangerous situations. We hear about the foster care system. There's children that are put in dangerous situation. We're going to speak about that today. So there are certain things that we feel that they're out of our control. And yes, we cannot control what other people do. But we can control what we do. So Daniel went into this and he was like, said, this is going to be you for the rest of your life. So he was praying and he was thinking about it. I mean, I can't escape because I probably get shot in the back with a spear. Um, I can just go against the king because, I mean, I just got here. I guess I'm just going to keep this horrible name because Daniel means whose God is judge or whose judge is God the other way. So it was a cool name, a Hebrew name, beautiful name. That's my middle name. Um, so, I mean, he liked his name. He liked where he was, right? He was, he was comfortable, but all of a sudden, everything gets stripped away. It's like, there's nothing I can do against this system. But he said, well, I'm going to try this thing. He's changed his diet. He started, he made friends with the cook and said, hey, I want to try to just drink water and eat vegetables, you know. But he's like, well, but the king said this, but they, you know, he, he was a good guy. So he became friends with the cook. He's like, just try it out. If it don't work, I go back to tacos and quesadillas. But for now, let's just try the vegetables, you know. The Bible doesn't say exactly, you know, what they were doing to the king's food. But I imagine it might have been offered to the gods and um, and he probably says that, but I, I didn't read the whole thing. But he chose not to partake. And he said, hey, let's just try it out. And so he started eating these things. And he got healthier and fatter and stronger with all his dude's friends. And, and the cook was like, oh, that's working. Let, let's tell the king. And that made a difference. So he chose from his situation the one thing that he could control. And he made a change. And that change... Took him to the point that when the king said, you are going to bow to me and to me only. And all your guys said, no. I only bow to God. Oh, go to the fire. They put him on the fire. And there was that fourth person with them. Remember? It was Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then there was Jesus protecting them. But he didn't get to that point by just being like, oh, spiritual, right? Making big decisions. He started with the little things. They threw him in the lion's den, and he was fine because he prayed to God, and he wasn't afraid of it. But he didn't get to that maturity of his spiritual life just automatically. 
See, he was stuck. He was stuck in a situation that he could not control. But he started making little changes that he only could do. You guys remember Lot and his wife? So, Lot and his wife were escaping from Sodom. And as they were running away, the wife looked back. And God said, do not look back. And she did. And she became a statue of salt. And a lot of times, y'all, it's hard to move on. It's hard to move forward. We're always tempted to look back. Even when we feel we're out of it, we still want to look back. Because it's comfortable. That's what we know. It's hard to change. But by doing that, we get stuck. By the way, there is a formation of salt in Israel, which it's believed that that's the place where Lot's wife got saltified or whatever. And so um, there's an actual place. So Daniel was put in a concentration camp per se, but he chose the one thing that he could control and made a difference for his life. Let's go to John 21, 23. Speaking um, of the Bible, you know, there's a lot of things that are not in there. But next time that you're faced with, with a challenge and you want to figure out, okay, you can call pastor, but also you can use common sense. And just ask yourself, does this please God? Is this honoring God? And then decide from there. Because on John 21, 25, if somebody has it, can you all read it out loud? Especially if you have a voice that you don't need a microphone. But it's basically saying that there's no room in the Bible to write everything that Jesus did. You want to read it? Go ahead, Brother George. Yeah, so we can't write everything that happened because it won't fit. We don't have rooms in the whole world for books to be written about it. But in the meantime, God gave us the Bible. That's our standard. And then he gave us some common sense. Some have a little more than others. But some of us, we can work on it and develop it a little bit. Amen? So they were doing a study that, you know, nursing homes, people... Older people that are able to make little choices like, hey, I want this pillow that my grandson made out of feathers instead of that facility uh, pillow. Like people that are able to like choose little things like that, they can live longer and healthier. Rather than they do what everybody says and they don't get to choose anything, like they deteriorate easy and then become a vegetable before they're even hooked up to a machine. And a lot of us, though, we're very comfortable where we're at. And we're not making choices. We're waiting for other people to make choices that will move us. And we're like a little vegetable. We're attached to that vine. And we're comfortable. We don't want to move for it. We don't want to make a change because we're like in a sweet spot that we don't have to work. And as Christians, as the church of God, we cannot do that. Amen? All right, it's fixing to get good, so don't, don't, don't fall asleep yet. So, um, 
I'm not sure if this is like a great movie, but I like the storyline of it. And it's called um, The um, Color Purple, or The Purple Color. With Color Purple, Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. And so this woman, she was sexually abused by her dad, and she actually got pregnant. It's based on a book. And so then her dad sold her to someone that was worse than him. And then she found comfort in all the relationships that just got worse and worse, all abuse. It was terrible, terrible situation. So she started wearing black, her spirit, her, her insides. She was just angry. And so at the end of the story, um, you know, she finds her sister in Africa and everything is better. So from that moment on, she started wearing purple. And so this has a significance to the message today. But I was looking at the color purple. And um, it says that the first time that they discovered, I think it was the 1500, it was by the Romans. And they found it on a mollusk or like a sea creature. And that that's where the diet came from. And it was very rare. And they had to go through like a lot to find it and to obtain it. And because of that, it was really expensive. And only royalty, people that had a lot of money, was able to wear that color. I thought it was really cool. And it fits to the story of this movie because when you wear purple, you're like, recognize. You know, we, we all relate that color to royalty. And so I was thinking uh, about this because I read Daniel 5.29, okay, um, first, in Mark fifteen seventeen, it says that they put a purple cloth on Jesus and then a crown of thorns. You guys remember that? And then on Daniel 5, 29, after that infamous or rather famous scripture appeared on the wall that says, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Uparsin. Remember that? So Daniel interpreted that dream in the king at the time, Belshazzar. I think that's his name. Uh, he gave him a purple cloth, and he was third in the kingdom. So this gets really cool, right? I should be excited about telling these things. But remember, it all started with changing a diet. Now, when I read back, uh, I find it that all of us, at some point, we're going to find ourselves in Babylon. We're going to find ourselves captive of some sort of thing, situation, or a person. And most of the time, we're not going to do anything about it. So I'm preaching to you today because hopefully this will challenge you to do something about it. You might not be able to change your spouse's attitude towards you right now, but you can change your own. You can start putting the toilet seat down, and that'll make a huge difference. I know that by experience. A lot of times, we're going to be in Babylon, and we can't not make a change. Maybe a judge will have the last word about your future, about your life. Maybe the doctor will determine what you have to do. Oh, you can't run. You can't do this. You can't exercise. Because your health, your body is not up for it. 
start working your risk, you know, get good at texting, whatever. But there's certain things that you can do about your situation. Don't just concentrate on the stuff that you cannot do. But start with the things that you can do about it. Amen? So, now I'll tell you a story. So I found out that I was poor when I was little. Or my family, we were poor. (laughs) And so my mom will use one egg for six people. And so she'll put milk on the egg, which we didn't have a lot of milk. It's really expensive. Um, And then she'll use this grass that grew on the walls. No, it wasn't marijuana. Um, it was just like some green stuff that was full of water. It's just like verdolaga. I don't even know what it's called here. Um, and she will mix it with the eggs so we can all eat. And at the time, we were under military occupation from the Communist Party. And so we didn't have a lot of food. So that had to last for all of us. But I remember my mom will wake up in the morning and she'd be like, it's time for verdolaga. We're going to have a feast. And we got, we got all excited. But the truth of the matter is we didn't have enough food. But see, her attitude and the way she approached the situation made a difference on our kids. And I, I tell you so many times, you know, growing up, I only had one underwear. And I got pants in fourth grade because I had a hole in my pants. And the people can see that I didn't have underwear on because I forgot to wash it the night before. So that's how poor we were. But I, at the moment, I didn't realize it. Because my parents made sure that I fell in a way that I was provided for, that I was taken care of. And it wasn't about, you know, having a phone. Nowadays, if your kids break their screen on the phones, oh my goodness, daddy, please, my life is over. I can't see my pictures. I cut my fingers. You know, <clears throat> I think about Alexander a lot because I really, really believe that we have made, and don't take this wrong, you can get offended if you want to, you'll get over it, but we have made a feminine gospel for men. I think the men of the house have not stepped up to what they're supposed to be. We have let mommy take care of the kids and raise them and educate them. And we have lack in our job as parents. And as a consequence, our families are hurting. And we get boys that they have lost their identity because they didn't have a role model from their dad. Because we concentrated in work and we provide for the house, but we didn't take time to discipline, to speak to our kids, to set an example for them, to show them what a man should act like, a gentleman. To show them that women are to be pursued. Don't go with the first hoochie mama that shows up. You got to be able to pursue the girls. A lot of women, they have given up on the male figures. And they have found another girl. Because nobody stepped up to the plate to meet their needs. 
See, it's been a ripple effect, a domino move. Because that little choice that we make affects a lot of things in life. So let's stop acting feminine men of God. And let's step up as parents, our sons, as husbands, boyfriends, whatever you are. Because God is calling that out of us. Because then our kids are going to suffer the consequence of our choices. They're going to be responsible for their own choices. But we have to step it up. Amen? So there was a man called Victor Frank. He was a survivor of the Holocaust. And they, uh, he was a psychologist. He became a doctor and psychiatrist or something like that. And so they capture him and they put him in a concentration camp. They kill his, uh, his mom and, and, and dad and all their civilians in front of him. They gassed him to death while he was watching. His, uh, either his wife died later on or his dad died from pneumonia and his wife was killed in one of the concentration camps. They took his name away. Uh, they used to pick on him because he was so smart. And um, there was a guard that, you know, hated him. And he will kill any friends that he made in the concentration camp. He'll take them outside and kill them in front of him. And he was captive for a long time. And so, while he was there... He's, he learned that he could con- the only thing that he could control, the only liberty that he had was the way his attitude was throughout the day. And he decided that he was going to have a good attitude throughout the day. So he wrote, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. See, a lot of times we concentrate too much on the circumstances and we want to change it. Oh, God, please change it. And if God doesn't change it, we get angry or we give up. Oh, I've been dealing with this for so long. My body's just no heal. Oh, this situation with my husband, it's just no changing. I'm just going to get a divorce. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to give up because it's too hard. Look at me. Poor me. I'm a victim of all these things. People keep doing things to me. But in the meantime, you concentrate on everything that is outside of your control and you're not doing anything to change yourself. And believe me, I understand the pain is real. I don't think it can get more real than being on a concentration camp during the Holocaust. I mean, I'm talking about they took his shoes and made me stand on the snow just for fun. And this man lived through it. He also said, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. I mean, this is a man that lived through it, y'all. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space, it's our power to choose our response. It's our response it, in our response lies our growth, and our freedom. Shoo. That's good stuff. You should be clapping right now. Amen. You don't have to. Hmm. 
There's little choices. Little choices. There was a man, he was a, a professor in a university, and he had a condition. It's called the gorgage sickness. You lose all power of your muscles, all mobility. So he couldn't move his body. He got to the point that the only thing he could move was his eyebrow. David Morris, that was his name. And with his eyebrow, he wrote a bunch of books with the computer. He was able to, to talk to people. They developed something that he, with his eyebrow, he could do a bunch of things. The only thing I learned how to do with my eyebrow was flirt. I was like, hey. <laughs> but this man, he used the only power he had to make a difference in the world. And a lot of times we're just stuck. We can't move. We can't change. I remember this lady. You know, she said, I miss the last train. She turned 45. She always wanted babies. And she couldn't have a baby with her husband. And she said, I miss the last train. Such a sad statement. Maybe where you're at in your life, you feel that you missed the last opportunity, that you've been done wrong, that you weren't given the same opportunities that everybody else have. But we established early in the message that we all get 24 hours. We get the same opportunities. You don't have an excuse. You are the excuse. And today, it's time for you to do something about it. Maybe you can't change all the pains on your body, but what is the one thing that you can change? Maybe you're too in love with the tacos that you don't mind the sickness. And that's where I'm preaching to myself. Maybe you love your situation. You got into comfortable and you feel that it's so late in life that there's nothing you can do about it. But that's a lie. That's a, I mean, I'm, we're talking about a guy who wrote a book with an eyebrow. We all have eyebrows. Amen. Amen. We got older muscles that are still working in our bodies. And also we have the spirit of God inside of us. See, that's what makes a difference. These bodies, they're going to die. They're going to rot. They're going to just disappear. The worms are going to eat it except for the bones and maybe the hair will last a little longer. But your spirit can be renewed every morning with the power of Christ. So stop making excuses. You want to change something, change yourself. Start making those little decisions that make a difference in the long run. Don't try to just tackle everything at once. I mean, you can if you want to. But start with the little things. And God will use it for his glory. Make a difference in people's life. But start with your own. Just little things. There are so many bondages and things that we create over time. You know, it's like hoarders. They didn't start with a bunch of stuff. They started with one thing. And they just accumulate all this junk. And they had a project in mind. And they have a dream. But sometimes our dreams, 
We got to adjust it with reality. I remember when I was seven years old, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a fireman. And then I ended up being a roofer. Terrible choice. <laughs> Worst job in the world. And I hated it for the whole six years that I did it. I hated it. And then I was like, okay, if I'm going to change something, I'm going to have to make a choice myself. So I moved and I decided to create my own business. It's great. I love it. It's good. It feels good to take care of people. That's my gift. I like it. But I had to make a decision. And so I have young people that ask me, hey, so how do you, how do you start your own business? And I said, well, you start by working at a shoe store with donated shoes from the United States in your own country. You wash them up and paint them up and then sell it for profit. Donations that were made to our country, they were supposed to be free. But these the government will keep it for themselves and sell it to the people. Big boxes of shoes. We'll wash them up and we'll make them pretty and then we'll sell it. They were brand name, so they sell for really good money. And then after that, you work milking cows, wake up at four in the morning, and you have no shoes to work with, so the cows step on you. I have a blue mark on my foot from a cow. Her name was Pipiana, which means, I think, squash or some sort of squash and she was huge and the the baby cow was the same size as the mama so it was hard to tie them up to the leg so we can milk her she thinks that we it was the baby cow drinking the milk but we'll tie it to the leg and then we'll just milk it so she gave like extra milk that's a good trick Nicaraguan engineering right there so then after that you know you serve God in missions and you do you are faithful in the little things And then you work as a roofer. You learn how to run a business. And then you open your own business. Oh, man, that's a long process. Like, yeah. And in the way, you make a lot of mistakes. But you don't get stuck. You get up and you keep going. You keep making little decisions that make a difference in your life. It doesn't start by, oh, okay, I'm here. I'm a businessman. It don't work like that. Right, Brother Joe? You start from the bottom and you wake your way up. I'm amazed by the work ethic that some people have. Brother Johnny is an example to me. I look up to him. He makes beautiful things with his hands and, and wood. I'm never going to be able to do that. My wife still calls him when there is like something simple to do in the house. He's like, can Elias do that? She's like, nope. <laughs> But the point is, you got to start with what you are able to change. You got to stop complaining and do everything you do for the glory of God. See, you're not your work. You're not your ministry. Okay, you're not where you came from. You are who God says you are. And that's what you have to work on. Your spirit, your soul, and everything else is just going to fit in. And you will no longer be stuck. You might be sick, but you can be free in the inside and heal in your heart and your mind. Because there's one thing to hurt from your body, and there's another one to have a mentality of infirmity. Do you understand that? There's a huge difference. I see people, I mean, they can't move. 
Like they can't move any parts of their body. They're stuck to a wheelchair. But in their mind, they're healed. And they try to do whatever they can do. With what they have. It's not an illusion. It's a reality. You understand that? There's a lot of people that are losing big time. They're losing money. They're losing like stuff. But in their heart, they're winners. Why? Because they get up every day and they keep trying. So yeah, you're stuck. But you're not a victim. You got a choice to make. And just like Daniel, you know, they, they, they got him, they put purple on him, and they put him in a high place of power. But he started by cutting down on the tackles. So easy, right? Why are we not doing it? Why are we still stuck? That's a question to ask yourself today. Where you're at today, it's your responsibility. It's on you. Nobody else is responsible for it. Even if you're in a place of pain and brokenness and lack, it's on you. You chose to stay there. Maybe somebody else pushed you a little bit towards it, but you chose to stay there. And today, God is saying it's time to get out. It's time to get out. It's time to keep going. One of my favorite things in the morning... My son comes to my bed, and he gets on my face, and he says, Daddy, it's time to get up. It's time to get going. It's going to be a brand new day. That's my favorite. But then when he gets to Poober, we know that. I don't like that part. But the first thing, I love it. And he's just smiling. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> Especially when I'm trying to sleep in. But the point is, it's time to get up. The church of God got to raise up. Can you imagine if you have that type of attitude, though? If we just start changing the little things that we, we can, the ripple effect that it will take. You know those dominoes thing? I, I don't think I ever played domino. But it's like they stack them up right next to each other, right? You push one of those things, the whole thing just fall off. And it's really cool. I've seen videos of it. Like, That's the way I see the choices that we have to make. Let's get up. Let's get going. Let's trust that Jesus, it's going to be there for us throughout the whole process. Don't be stuck. It's not a good place to be at. It's time to grow. Because whatever you do, it's going to affect so many lives. I mean, we're talking about Daniel now. That was a long time ago. And we're talking about him because he chose to eat vegetables. What are people going to talk about you? Think about it. Love you guys. Be blessed.